greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Do me a favor, turn to somebody seated beside you and say to them with a smile behind your mask, God loves you and so do I. So somebody came to me. I've been doing this for years, but people keep coming to me and asking, why do you make us do that? It's weird. It's, it's awkward. You know, there's a, there's a couple in here that, that they just started dating, and now I've made them tell each other that they love each other. Right? See, that's a good test right there. You know, there's spouses who haven't said I loved you in a long time. That's why I do it. That's why I do it. I want to welcome all of you this morning uh, to the Power Hour. This is the second last one of the year. And uh, one of the things we say in sports, and Pastor and I used to play basketball, right? This, this mic is, I used to. This mic is doing the same thing like last week. Uh, uh, when we play sports, we, we believe in the philosophy of finishing strong. You don't end the game tired. If you've watched football, you watch basketball, watch tennis, you notice that they give that last effort as the time is running down, right? Uh, and so for me, I feel like when it comes to the, the worship experience and just ending the year, don't end the year like this, end the year like that. And so if you can't do it in your personal life, uh, there's nothing I can do about that. But when we come to the house of worship, I, I want to feel excited about 2023. No matter how superficial it sounds to you, to me, it's important. So let's do this again. Happy Sabbath, somebody. Sabbath. Greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The power of God has left the building and we exercise it more. I follow some of you guys on Instagram. Some of you posted your reactions during the World Cup. Pastor, they're not quiet. Everybody's jumping and screaming because you know what? Everybody has a shout in them. We shout when we're happy. We shout when we're angry. Some people have something they shout for. Some people, they have something they shout against. Sometimes we shout because we're trying to get somebody's attention that's at the back of the room. Sometimes we shout because we don't feel heard in our homes. Sometimes we shout because things are not working the way they should and your employees are slacking off. Shouting is a part of human nature. But somebody's saying, but pastor, I'm, I'm an introvert. I don't, I don't shout. Yes, you do. In here. You may not say it out loud, but you're the person one day who takes a gun and shoots everybody because your shout is in here. Everybody shouts about something. The only question is, where does the shout come from? You must be wondering, what, what, what is a pastor talking about? Let's, let's get into the word of God for today. We're in the Old Testament. Get your Bible out. I'm going to read it with you, but I'm not going to put it up on the screen. Let's go to Ezra chapter 3. Let's go to Ezra. If you're looking for it in the New Testament, you're lost. Ezra, not Esther. It's between 2 Chronicles and Nehemiah. I don't know why I'm doing that. You're all using your devices. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm dating myself back in the day with Bibles. Ezra chapter 3. I want to read from verse number 8. I, I should read more, but let me, let me work with these. Chapter 8. I'm sorry. Chapter 3. I'm going to read from verse 8 all the way down to the end. Ezra chapter 3, verse 8, to verse number 13. The construction of the temple of God began in mid-spring, during the second year after they arrived in Jerusalem. 
the workforce was made up of everyone who had returned from exile, including Zerubbabel, son of Shiltiel, Yeshua, son of Jehozadak, and his fellow priests and all the Levites. The Levites who were 20 years and older, who were 20 years old or older, meaning from 20 and above, were put in charge of rebuilding the Lord's temple. The workers at the temple of God were supervised by Yeshua with his sons and relatives, and Cadmiel and his sons, all descendants of Hadavia. They were helped in this task by the Levites of the family of Henadad. Some really interesting names today. When the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests put on their robes and took their places to blow their trumpets. And the Levites, descendants of Asaph, clashed their cymbals uh, to praise the Lord, just as David had prescribed. With praise and thanks, they sang this song to the Lord. He is so good. His faithful love for Israel endures forever. Then all the people gave a great shout, praising the Lord because the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. But many of the older priests, Levites, and other elders who had seen the first temple wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. The others, however, were shouting for joy. The joyful shouting and weeping mingles together in a loud noise that could be heard far in the distance. There are two groups of people in this passage. Both of them are shouting, but for different reasons. Because in life, people may be in the house of God. People may be in the service. But let's be honest, we are not all saying amen for the same reason. I know I lie to myself. When I make you say amen, I tell myself they're doing it because they agree with me. No, you're doing it because I said do it. Amen? amen. Everybody has a shout in them. But we allow adversity, stress, problems, disappointment, discouragement, letdown, the list goes on to take that shout away. How do I know? Because in January, you have resolutions, but by Easter, they die with Jesus. Because when the year begins, everybody's excited. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop eating a uh, 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 sour cream chitato fry chips. Oh, Lord, help me. Right? I'm going to stop all that. But as the year goes by, like, I'll do it again next year. Shout gone. Everybody has a shout. The baby shouts for his or her reasons. The teenage little girl shouts for her reasons. The college graduate or the dropout shout for their reasons. The newly employed person shouts for their reasons. The single person shouts for their reasons. The married person shouts and cries for their reasons. Everybody has a shout in them. The question is, where is it coming from? In today's passage, I'm connecting it to the end of the year, but actually the passage is about the beginning of something. Let's read some stuff together. Verse 1, 2, and 6. I want you to notice the flow of the passage to get my point. Ezra is recording, or at least whoever wrote under his name, is recording the rebuilding of the temple 
the walls and the city of Jerusalem after the Babylonian exile. God's people have been unfaithful. And for 70 years, they've been in captivity. And a few years more, they were still there. Until one day, Nehemiah, having a cushy job in Persia, serving the king. But he was not Persian, he was Hebrew. And so he understood that where I am is not where I should be. My people are not praising God. My people are not shouting where they should. Nehemiah lost his shout. One day, the king comes and asks him, why are you so downcast? What's going on? And Nehemiah said, please forgive me, but I'm not where I should be. My people are not where they should be. Right now, I'm here comfortable, but God's temple, his city is in ruins. And so the king says, you've been such a good employee. You, I've trusted you. Now I'm going to help you. Go back home. Go rebuild. Take what you need. Take who you need and get it done. And so when the building starts, it starts happening in the book of Nehemiah, there's turbulence. Ezra gives us a perspective here. And this is what he says about the beginning of the building. Because even though we're at the end of the year, there's going to be a beginning. All the people assembled in Jerusalem with a unified purpose. The unified purpose was, we are here to build God's house. In that crowd were physicians, carpenters, architects, single people, married people, priests, fishermen, merchants. All of them got together to say, we are here to build God's house. So when somebody comes into the church as a pastor, I assume that you are not just here to fill up your gas so you can deal with the mess every week and come back again and repeat the process. Because obviously, that's not working. 52 Sabbaths in the year, you've been doing it, but I'm looking at you right now, and y'all look worn out. Like the year has taken more than it has given. Maybe, maybe it's time to start building God's house. I'm not talking about building a church because people panic when you say that. I'm talking about being a part of something bigger than yourself. These people left Babylon. They left Persia. They had established their lives. The young people got married, developed careers. Their entrepreneurial journeys began. But they said, we got to build God's house. And so they go back to Jerusalem. And the Bible says, before they built the house, they built an altar. Before the foundation is laid, build the altar. Before the foundation is laid, build the altar. Not an altar, the altar. Because when the people of God were building, before they started establishing their own homes, before they built anything else, they erected an altar so that they could make sure that God was present with them. Whatever they started, even before the foundation, they made sure that God's altar was built. So that they could all get together, priests, Levites, ordinary people, everybody was there to say, Lord, we are about to start a new season in our lives. Be with us. And so as they're building the foundation, when it gets hard, when they can't afford the materials, they can look to the altar and say, God is with us. Do you have an altar? Or do you spend your years sitting on your vision board trying to figure out how to resuscitate your career, your relationships, your health? Every year, same thing over and over again. Maybe you need to add an altar and things will work out for you. Yes, 
So they build an altar before they build the foundation. If I stop right there, you would think the story ended good because everybody's at the altar. When the builders had completed the foundation of the Lord's temple, then all the people gave a great shout. Now, now you would think, you would think that the people would shout when the roof was done. When the sign for the building, for the, for the, for the, for the uh, 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 construction was put up, that it was done and ready to be used. But they shouted at the foundation. When is the best place to shout at any stage of your life? Do you shout when you've got the house? Everything is intact, your kids are getting good grades. Is that the time you shout? Or should you start shouting the first day of college? When you're single and all you can eat is noodles and egg? Should you shout when the baby's born and everybody's swooning over this baby boy? Or should you shout just before you start trying to make a baby? When should you shout? When the results are in or during the process? According to this text, shout at every stage. Shout at every stage because the reason for the shout matters more than the shout itself. We are shouting because we can actually have a foundation. For 70 years, we've not been able to build anything. We've been foreigners in a strange land, but now we are back home and the foundation is evidence that God is with us. The reason that a lot of endeavors, businesses, relationships at the beginning don't succeed is because each of you is expecting more than the person is already giving. You don't appreciate him for paying for the dinner. You're asking yourself, can he afford to buy a house? Appreciate the meal first. Amen, ladies. The problem is we never appreciate the little things. We want more and more and more because we keep watching TikTok and YouTube videos of people who are living a life we don't have. And so we don't appreciate the foundation. So we want to take shortcuts to get where God hasn't sent us to. That's why you're not shouting. Because you don't have a foundation. You don't appreciate what God has done. But these people said the foundation is enough to shout over. Every shout of praise at every stage fires you up for the next one. Um, I watch YouTube like everybody else. And I promise you, I don't just watch sermons and spiritual stuff. I like to watch what other people are doing. And, and what I like to watch the most is people who are building something, okay? Whether it's uh, refurbishing an old car from the 60s, whether it's a family trying to build a home, whether it's a young couple starting a business. Th those are the kind of uh, 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 stuff I like to watch. I don't like to watch the people who have it already and making it rain. No, 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 no. I like to see the people who are at foundation level and to look at the emotional journey of trying to build something and the little victories they celebrate at every milestone when they make their first thousand dollars they they go out for dinner and celebrate when they make the, their next ten thousand dollars they go out to celebrate because when you celebrate every stage it fires you up for the next one that's why the basketball season the nba season is 82 games but do you notice that every game they win Everybody loses their mind celebrating. In fact, every basket is a celebration. The season's not over. But they understand that life is made up of building blocks of moments of celebration, moments of weeping. But when you celebrate, it carries you to the next one. So what I'm saying is shout because this year's over and a new one is coming. Amen, somebody.
Yeah, yeah. I know you guys, when you watch football, you make way more noise than this. Ezra, we're in church, so we got to be uh, holy means quiet, even though there's a storm inside. Verse number 12, the Bible says, but whenever, whenever there's a, a passage, a poem, a, a script, something you're reading or watching or listening to, if you're talking to somebody giving you a compliment and they say, but, you know something negative is about to come. Even though when the altar was erected, everybody was praising God and worshiping him, even though when the foundation was initially put up, the Bible says everybody shouted for joy. But then all of a sudden in verse 12, the tone changes. But many of the older priests and Levites and other leaders who had seen the first temple, you know, the back in the day people, they wept out loud. Ever, ever seen a grown man cry? Raise your hand if you've seen a grown man cry. Uh, I'm raising my hand because sometimes I stand in front of the mirror and I'm a grown man. When a man cries, it's different than when a child cries. There's a, there's a certain level of pain that comes from experience and life. That when you are grown up and all of a sudden tears come out of your eyes, there's a, a sadness that has come over you. And the Bible says the altar has been put up, the foundation has been laid, but all of a sudden the older priests, the, the leaders, the ones who had seen the, their, their families being dragged out of Jerusalem, the ones who had seen the temple in Jerusalem destroyed, the temple built by Solomon, those people, those people started weeping out loud, not for joy, but because of what was. They were looking back at 2022 and saying that this year has been a mess. How are we going to make it ahead? But the Bible says that the others, the new generation, the others, however, were shouting for joy. So there's two groups of people within this group. Some are shouting for joy. Others are shouting because of heartbreak. How is it possible that two rows, two, two sides of the room have experienced the same year, but our reactions are different? Have you ever noticed New Year celebrations? Let me ask you, talk to me. Who celebrates the most? Older people or young people? I'm happy a parent said it. Young people celebrate more than the older people. The older people, when I say older, uh, for this generation, older is 30 and above. In my generation, older was 60 and above. But today, if you don't know the latest move or whatever, you're old. Okay? So, New Year's, New Year's. Whenever New Year's comes around, it's probably the only day my family and I sleep early. Only day. Every other day I'm sleeping at 1, 2 in the morning. But on the 31st, yo, I need to be ready for the mess that's coming. I go to bed early. Sometimes I don't even hear the, the, the firecrackers and all that stuff. But my son, at the age of four, he knows it's New Year's. Daddy, where are the firecrackers? Because in his young mind, the year's over, let's celebrate. I'm panicking. Because with new year, new devils, new problems. But for him, bring out the firecrackers. That's what's happening here. The new temple is built. The younger generation is excited about what's coming. The older generation is thinking about what was. Young people, in case you're wondering why when you're singing up here, singing praises to, to the Lord, the older generation is standing quiet. It's not because they're hating. It's because they're thinking about 1990. They're thinking about how it was before. They're thinking about a time when the ladies didn't put on pants up there. A time when the pastor wore a suit. That's what they're thinking. Shout to the Lord. Okay, so now I want to show you 
in conversation form, the way the older and the new generation talk. By the way, this is not an age thing. I want to be very clear. Because there are young people who think like old people. This is not an age thing. Number two, this is not about worship. This is not style of music or style of dress. This is about life in general. So there's the before crowd, and then there's the new crowd. The before crowd are the people who look back and never stop looking back. These are the people who are stuck in yesterday but never catch up. This is the young man or the young lady who came out of a toxic relationship, got into a great relationship, but treats it as if it's toxic. These are the people who get a new job, but they bring the old mindset into the new job and wonder why they get fired again. This is the, 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 the couple that has had a child before, made mistakes, and has another child but keeps making the same mistakes. This is the church that did things a certain way and the church didn't grow, but guess what? They keep doing it the same way because insanity says do the same thing and expect different results. So the old crowd, the before crowd, are the people who talk about back in the day, Pastor. Pastor, in my church, this is how we used to do it. Good. Go back to your church. We made it out. We made it out. At what cost? We made it out at what cost? I, I, Pastor, I'm realizing I did something here. I switched around the conversations. I switched around the conversations. The, the new crowd says we made it out. The old crowd says at what cost? The young people are excited. They, they didn't see slavery in Egypt. They didn't see the wilderness. They didn't see the Babylonians come and take their families away. All they saw, Pastor, they were born in Babylon. They were born in the gold and majesty of Babylon. They were born in the splendor and the wealth of that city. That's all they knew. They didn't see what the ancestors went through, but when the call to come out came, they took it as an opportunity because there's something about the younger generation. They like new things. So when they left Persia, they left Babylon, they were excited. But the older generation was thinking, Solomon built us a billion-dollar temple. Solomon uh, imported material from around the world to build that temple. And in less than a week, the Babylonians had destroyed it. So they're thinking about what was. The young people are thinking about what will be. That's why young people, the older generation, keeps messing up the environment and you don't want them to because you're thinking about tomorrow, they're thinking about yesterday. It's difficult to celebrate a new season while holding on to the pain and the regrets of the old one. That's it. That's it. Somebody's sitting here right now and, and you can't shake it off. Ah, Pastor, I hear what you're saying. It's all good, but they, they can't shake it off. You're holding on to what was. In fact, right now, you're holding on to things that happened 15 years ago. You're holding on to things that happened 10 years ago. And you cannot move past that. So every year is the same. It's 2022, but for you it's 2001. You're stuck. You're stuck. And you, 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 you're trying to figure out, who can I talk to to help me with this? You, you go see the counselor. You go see a psychologist. You talk to the pastor for prayer. This pastor doesn't work. You talk to another one. This one doesn't work. You try another one. Because you're trying to make sense of something you're holding on to. We made it out, but at what cost? The new crowd, I'm sorry, just, just reverse this in your mind. I apologize. I was so excited, I messed up the slides. The new crowd says, we have come this far. The old crowd says, we went too far. Because the young crowd heard the stories but never experienced it. 
The old crowd remembers we got kicked out of Jerusalem because we sinned against God. That is, let me stand up here. It's going to get serious just a little bit. That's why when it comes to sin, the younger generation's conversation is different than the older generation's conversation. Okay? Let me, uh, uh, this crowd feels neglected. When young people talk about sin, when they talk about right and wrong, it's different for them than it is for the older generation. The older generation looks at behavior and says, this is good, this is bad. The younger generation looks at behavior and says, it's your choice. It's your life. Do what you want. Truth is relative. Go forth and do what you want. But when you dig deeper, you realize that it's not really that way. So I'm saying to the young people, I'm all about new. I'm all about different. I'm all about hip. I'm all about doing things to catch attention. I'm all about that. But when it comes to how you live your life, things remain the same. While we are excited about a new church and a new style of worship and all that kind of stuff, there are things that don't change. And so the old generation is saying, listen, young people, we've been where you are. Even though you've come this far, you can go too far. Amen. Amen. That was too serious. No shouting that. The new generation says, praise God for the foundation that has been built. The older generation says, we praised God on a foundation better than this. The priests, the pastors were weeping because they worshipped in a place that was much bigger, more expensive, and more. People came from everywhere to see Solomon's temple. But this one, it was lackluster. It lacked the attention that Solomon's temple got. And so the old generation says, back in the day, it was like this. Back in the day. When old people stand in lines, back in the day, we didn't have to queue like this, Pastor. Back in the day, the buses were faster. Back in the day, everything was always good. Because it's easy to talk about what was, but not embrace what is. And I'm saying to somebody right now, as we look ahead into the new year, look at it differently. Yes, look back, but don't stay there. In fact, the way I see it, I see three groups of people. Group number one. We want things to remain the way they were before. Group number two, we want things to absolutely change. Get rid of the old. Throw the baby and the bath water out. We want it totally new. But then there's a third option. And I belong to the third option. Let's not forget the past while we do things new. Does that make any sense to anybody? Let's not forget the past while we make things new. Because that's how God wants you to live your life. Okay. The idea that things were better than they are or will be is because you attached your emotions to certain conditions that existed before. I have the fortunate or unfortunate privilege of speaking to couples on a daily basis. I say fortunate because you learn a lot about people. I say unfortunate because you learn a lot about people. And sometimes one of the issues that couples have is comparison. For some reason, this generation has a comfortability with comparing their partner to the way things were before. It doesn't come out in conversation. It comes out in arguments. It comes out after the wedding. It comes out during a tense moment, times of loss and disappointment. The couple talks about how it was with their previous partner. The one guy said to me, you know, Pastor, with, with, the, with the girl I was with before my wife, I, I felt that she used to listen to me. And I, I cringed a little bit because I'm thinking, maybe that's why your current wife doesn't listen 
because you keep comparing her to another woman you didn't marry. I don't know. What do I know? I've only been married for seven years. I speak to people in business who are struggling to understand that doing business in this year is totally different than it was five years ago. That the pandemic has brought a new atmosphere, a, a new way. People want to stay in the same job for 25 years. The company shuts down. People want to stay in the same place for legacy. The place gets shut down. There's this loyalty that doesn't make sense anymore because our emotions are attached to what was. The new crowd says something great has begun. The old crowd says something great is ending. This year has been awesome in different ways. It has sucked in, in, in different ways. But through it all, guess what? God was there. God was with you. He saw you through it all. And so the way you see it is determined by which crowd do you belong to. One more. The new crowd says we are excited about what is to come. The old crowd says, we are concerned about what is to come. Your attitude determines how you scream and how you behave. The inability to be optimistic in the face of uncertainty is triggered by what you hold on to from what happened before. And I'm saying, in your relationships, it's difficult. Parenting is difficult. Running a business is difficult. Having a career is difficult. Being part of a church is difficult. But the question is, what motivates you? What drives you? What do you remember about 2022? Joyful shouting and weeping was mingled together in a loud noise that could be heard far in the distance. Have you ever attended a football match, a tennis match, a soccer match, a basketball match? Have you noticed that even though there's two teams, they don't give each other a turn to, to scream and shout? Have you noticed that? The, the opposition doesn't say, okay, it's your guys' turn to shout. Now it's your turn to shout. What does everybody do? They shout at the same time. Why do they do that? They do that because they're supporting their team, but they also want to outshout the other team. That's why away games are harder than home games. Because in a home game, there's more people supporting you than not. But I'm here to tell you that in life, every day is an away game. There's less people shouting for you than against you. There are less people uh, uh, rooting for you than those that are hoping you fail. So the question is, which crowd do you belong to? Do you belong to the home team or the away team? Are you for you or are you for something else? Because in this building of the temple, people were weeping about what was and others were weeping about what comes. Every day you are in a crowd choosing what type of a shout to contribute. Every single day. I love the silence in the room right now because I'm, I'm trying to get you guys to reflect on the way you see your life. But I'm also hoping that you get your voice back, that you can begin to live your life by faith like that young generation did. Because they were optimistic during the building of a foundation. Can we do the same? Can we be in that place? Where in our relationships, our walk with God, our health, our marriages, our parenting, everything is about, okay, new season, new moment, new opportunity. Not, oh, it's going to be like it was last year. Final text. The story doesn't end in the book of Ezra. Because while the older people were weeping, the message wasn't over. In their minds, this temple was all that was left. But actually, that wasn't it. 
The reason that this temple lacked any splendor is because Jesus was about to come. The coming of Christ overshadowed that. Listen to what it says. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. It, in this place, I will bring peace. I, the Lord of the heaven's armies, have spoken. What is God saying? Listen to me. Final slide. What is God saying? Oops, I turned it off. With God, what lies ahead will always be greater than what came before. With God. Not without him. With him. Because next year could be worse than this year. But what the text is saying, okay, I understand, older generation, the church doesn't look like you knew it used to be. But one day, Jesus is going to come, and he's going to be the temple. He's going to be what matters. So, okay, we can't agree on what works and what doesn't, but this is what we can agree on. Jesus is coming again. We can agree on that. We can agree that one day when Christ comes with all the different churches, different religions, different perspectives, different issues that we deal with, the one thing we know from the Bible is that Jesus is coming. Our church may look different than another, but Jesus is coming. My relationship may not be like yours, but Jesus is coming. My career, my business may not be like yours, but Jesus is coming. You may be older, I may be younger, but Jesus is coming. Amen, somebody. That is the shout that God wants. That if you can't be excited about what is, be excited about what's coming. I want to pray with you. I said to Pastor that today's message will be short because I really wanted to spend more time in prayer. I hope I've given you something to reflect on as we embrace what's coming. See, for those that celebrate Christmas, that's, that's what is exciting about the idea. Okay, they wanted you to be excited about the end of the year. So for some reason, based on Roman uh, uh, idolatry, they put it at the end of the year. So people always look forward to Christmas, to the end of the year. That's what God wants. That's what Jesus coming is about. To be excited about something beyond your messy life. So at this moment, once again, like I did before, Lord, I don't know what kind of a shout I've had. It's been a roller coaster. Sometimes I've shouted because I was happy. Sometimes I've shouted because I was angry. Sometimes I've shouted because I received something. I watched my child get something. I watched my friend succeed. But sometimes I've shouted because the stock market has tanked. The business has failed. My career didn't go. I didn't hit the numbers I was supposed to hit. Everything is down. So whatever the ride is, Lord, help me to keep my shout. If that's you, stand to your feet. Just stand to your feet. Lord, help me keep my shout. I don't want to keep doing the roller coaster year after year. Help me to keep my shout. What is the shout? The shout is, Lord, the devil will never silence me. What is the shout? I know it's not working now, but I know it will get better. What is the shout? People have judged me. They've given up on me, but I know I can be better. What is the shout? My child is struggling, but I know that God will make it right. What is the shout? My boss doesn't trust me. He doesn't put his confidence in me, but I know I'll do it better. What is the shout? My health is a mess, but I know I'll do it better. What is the shout? I know that everything is falling apart, it seems. But if I shout enough, I might just see that it's not as bad as I think it is. Heads bowed. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Heavenly Father, we come before you at this time. 
as we look at the crowd at the rebuilding of the, of the temple, we see some of them struggling to appreciate what was coming. We see them stuck in the past. We see them holding on to a glory that would never come back again. We see a younger generation that is naive but optimistic. Their excitement is based on the fact that they didn't see things as they were before. They only see them as they are now. But Father, as an audience listening to this, we get to be the third option. The third option that says, let's not make the mistakes of the past, but let's also not forget to hold on to the hope of the future. Let us look at this past year and say, Lord, thank you that you saw us through a lot of things. Thank you that through the hard times, you were a source of hope. And thank you to the times that I didn't believe in you or what you could do for me, I still got out anyway. Thank you for the roller coaster ride because it makes us not depend on ourselves. It makes us depend on you. Thank you for the tough seasons because it brings us closer to the people that we love, to the people that matter the most to us our family, our friends, our brothers and sisters in the faith, our fellow comrades on the work front in the concrete jungles of the places we work in. Thank you that those people are there to soften the blow of what the world and the enemy throws at us. But right now, I want to pray for the spiritual journeys that the people in this room have been on. Some people are broken because spiritually, they know they're not where they're supposed to be. They've been coasting by for years, if not for the past few months of this year. They've been just falling and staying under the radar, just being ordinary, being mediocre, being lukewarm. But they're saying, Lord, it's not enough because I can't shout with that. I can't say amen when it matters. I can't praise the Lord when it matters because what I have is not enough. Then you have those who don't have a spiritual journey, no altar, no foundation. I'm praying for them. There's somebody in this room that needs to get baptized. There's somebody in this room that needs to say yes to Jesus. We exist as a ministry, as a place of worship, as a church to make that environment available for them. And so, Lord, we pray, give them the courage to shout out and say, I love Jesus. I want to walk with him. There's somebody who's struggling with a habit in their life. It's breaking them. The world has told them it's okay to do that, but they know this is breaking me. I want to shout again. I want to be able to be confident, to look up and walk with a sense of godly pride. I'm praying for them this morning. There's a couple that has lost their shout. Yes, they shout at each other, but they don't shout together anymore. They don't have the thing that kept them going together. They're sitting together, they live together, they share expenses together, they have children together, but they're shouting for different things. One is happy, one is sad. One is optimistic about the new year, the other one is discouraged. This is what's breaking the home, breaking schools, breaking businesses, breaking churches, breaking organizations that were once meaningful because inside are people shouting for joy and people shouting out of sadness. And so right now, Lord, I pray, give us back the shout. The shout that says, in spite of, but God. 
in spite of, but God. Thank you, Lord, for hearing this prayer. Keep your people in the palm of your hand. Lead them with your word. Save them with your grace. Guide them with your presence. But most of all, be with them through Christ. In his name I pray. Let everybody say amen. And amen. God bless you. You may take your seats.